The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours right now at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. The Colony Meadery, the official gluten-free booze made from honey of the process and Kinetic Skateboard Shop. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, all eagles. Uh, 60 full minutes on the Eagles. No. We'll talk about one of the best things ever written on Joel Embiid, that by Andrew Underberger. Once again, revisit the GM search of the Sixers. Ben Simmons hanging out with LeBron and Justin Bieber at Fashion Week. I put together some early Sixers, Sixers uh, over-unders, and we will go around the league with Ish Smith to talk about a newly discovered LeBron and KD rap song, and I have some other uh, NBA questions for Mike that we'll run through. Without any further ado, here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Welcome to the Right Ricky Sanchez podcast. I am Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is brave enough, even given his former takes, to talk once again on the internet about Nick Foles not being good. That mm. is Mike Levin. Hi, Mike. That's right. <laughs> you uh, went. You went back to the well, baby. It's, a, it's, I, my, I appreciate it's the well it. I've lived at for years. I mean, look, he's not. He had a couple incredible games, and we won a Super Bowl, and it's the best thing of all time. The fact that he's at very streaky and when usually on the bad part of streaky just makes it more special because we fucking did it. Come on. What was the original? Who's defending? Who's defending him being good? That's why he's on the fucking Rams and shit and the back of quarterback. He's not good. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. It seems like he might be good. Uh, I mean, all he does is win. I. Uh, <laughs> what was your original... Tweet like you got sort of. There were a lot of people, by the way, that got retweet Armageddon sort of when Happily. Nick Foles were on the Super Bowl. Happily Do you remember so. what your Nick Foles tweet was? Was there one or were there several? Oh, there were a bunch. There was okay. I, I wanted them to sign Kaepernick. Foles is bad. He'll always be bad. <laughs> All of it. Right. I stand by it. He had, he had two incredible games. The Falcons game, he was terrible. He had two incredible games. Uh, and it made me the happiest boy in the world. And, you know, this is who he is. A, a streaky, mostly bad quarterback. Winner. I say he's a winner. That's fine. That's also right. fine. Also fine. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> That's it. Uh, I, you, you know I have a, a general problem with, because I've talked about it with basketball people before. I just wanted to mention it again. A general problem with media telling fans how to act. You, in, you do. In, I do. I have a... I have a uh, it, not not in terms of like, look, if a fan hurts somebody, that that's not what I mean. But it usually comes down to uh, cheering or booing or something like that. And there was booing at the end of the first half. Uh, it deb- debatable about what the booing was about, whether it was about them kneeling on the ball or whether it was about the fact that they sucked for the first half. But there was probably like, both. yeah, probably a little bit of both. But there was some like 
national and local reporter shaming of fans like oh you couldn't even wait you know a full game before you boot again like I, i'm just so perplexed it's such an obvious difference right between somebody who is paid to watch the game and somebody who goes there for like to enjoy it for fun specifically pays money and time and all of those things and if the team stinks and they're unhappy i just i'm so amazed that uh it was specifically bill barnwell and robert mays were were sort of like uh fan shaming it's like fuck off i'm I'm so amazed that they think that that is that is a, a like a take that they should have or an opinion that they should have. I just think when don't you think that most times when fans boo, it is be, like it's not a planned thing. It's not we'll all go there and boo. It's like we're not happy. You're not playing well. Boo, right? They don't think about it. They just do it. I, I it's amazing to me that it's even a thing. Yeah. I think I, I, it's, I, it's I, like it's like St. Louis Cardinals fans are the best fans in baseball-esque kind of thing and i i love that the eagles won a super bowl in the first game back they played like shit and the fans booed them i think that's great we're yeah. not it's not going to change us i think that's no. i am fully on board i think there's been some you know boos in the past that i haven't agreed with like booing jason worth and former sixer type things which is more a little more aggravating um, but booing your team when they're playing bad, it's like, yeah, they're playing bad. Come on. Yeah, and and I, it it always brings me back to, um, like, can you imagine if the team like after the game, let's say they lost, let's say they 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 lost twenty seven to three or something, they were like, well, we did win the Super Bowl last year, so this year is kind of gravy. Like, can you imagine how that would how that would play out like you don't want a team thinking that way and and here is the here is the reason that i think it is not only not only do i support the right to boo and not be shamed for it but i think it is an appropriate boo the worst fans in all of sports are the ones who when they don't win say they won several championships before you know like uh cowboys fans lakers fans yankees fans are always like yo 27 rings or how many fucking championships the Yankees have. Like who who likes that kind of person? I I don't know. I want the kind of person who is pissed off all the time. That's right. That's what I want. That's yeah. right. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Um hey, it's time for the Willie Green five-star Apple Podcast review. We need and love your five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. We're at 1796. The goal is 2,000 until the goal is 3,000. This comes from Perks1984. He or she says, nothing but facts, strong investigative reporting, and inside information from two guys really plugged into the team. Actually, it's none of those things. Unfortunately, it's the only Sixers podcast, so I endure the hot takes, scouting the draft via YouTube clips, and unfounded speculation regarding team issues. Keep it up, guys. Five stars. Speaking of being close to the team and unfounded speculation, the general manager search continues on wow. with the Philadelphia 76ers with a couple of nuggets this week. In a timely manner. Here they yep. come. The Sixers <laughs> are l- deciding to have an organizational structure, maybe publicly. Run with us. 
Here they come. They The two reports this week, I think it has been between last week and this week, is the we're going to interview all of the internal candidates that we were going to let them do, do the job anyway. That is Alex Rucker, Mark Eversley, Elton Brand, and Ned Cohen. This is after they gave them all promotions. Also, a report from one <laughs> Keith Pompey. Just feels that so they, fake. Yeah, well, because it is. Uh, Keith Pompey reports that they interviewed David Griffin over the summer, chose not to go with him because they are working toward a collaborative approach and not with someone who has final say. Uh, wow, that is this something This feels else. like such fake business jargon bullshit. Like, it, like the idea that like we're going to disrupt the system and have... Everyone's going to have, no one's going to have final say. There's no one, no one's even, even going to make a decision. We're just going to talk about it forever until some, <laughs> one of us dies. And then whoever <laughs> m- makes the first move, they get the call. Like, it's like, this is nothing. This is totally nothing. And also just interviewing like all four of these guys. It, that's, I mean, if bad blood hasn't started yet, it's probably going to. There's well, got to be bitterness. It's just not gonna. It's just there's no way it works if they hire somebody from the outside. If they keep these guys on, I I have no idea. I have, I have no well, idea how this can be sustainable. Well, and like anyone who has worked at a company with a boss understands that, like the notion of being collaborative and having final say are not mutually exclusive. Like, isn't isn't the job of of many bosses, especially one of a basketball team? that you would collaborate with the staff that you you put together and then somebody has to make the final say so that is the boss's job to make the final say with ultimately being the owner saying yes or no but the boss having final say but one person has to say okay this is what we're doing but that does not uh, preclude them from being collaborative like isn't isn't the idea i just think the collaborative word being thrown around so consistently is funny because it has to mean something other than other than what we're what they're what they think it means yeah because i i would think the word collaborative would be like part just part of what you would want in any normal general manager yeah no one's gonna like disagree with that no one's gonna be like right. oh collaboration that's not what we're <laughs> looking for yeah, like they interviewed David Griffin, and he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, the, this collaboration thing, what I prefer to do is have final say. <laughs> what? You know? Uh, it's very strange. So, and, and the reason the whole thing is phony, first of all, if I had to bet, they're not hiring anyone. This is all dog and pony show. Is if they are so stuck on keeping their staff, then why would you even interview the guys that they said they were going to interview, the uh, Rosas and uh, Zanuck and uh, what's the the Warriors guy, Larry, um, I forget his last name. They, the, none of them are going to take the job if you tell them that they can't have their own staff. None of them. Probably, yeah, like, probably. Why would they? Especially, I mean, they've been around a long time. Rosas has been in Utah forever. There's a reason why he hasn't left. He's waiting for the— Houston. Ru- Houston, 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 Houston. Yeah. The, there's a reason why he hasn't left. He's waiting for the right opportunity. Coming in and you know, walking into a near mutiny from the beginning is just doesn't seem like the right situation. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know why. I, I was. I've. I made myself fine with with the plan from I guess the Woj article, which was like 
they all season's over. It was too late to start hiring candidates or start interviewing uh, before the draft, so we went with who, the, who we had. And uh, now it's going to be some combination of Brett and the guys that are left, and it'll be fine for the season, and we'll revisit it next season. I was like, okay, that's fine. And now they're, I guess, because of like just confused blowback, they're like, well, no, we are going to do it now. And try. <laughs> and this is always the plan. Yeah. And we're interviewed. We're going to promote these guys. Not only are we going to promote them all, but then we're going to interview them all to see if who gets the double promotion. And oh, also we interviewed the the guy on the on the NBA TV who broke that news about the Sixers. So he's he's here. And not only that, but these other guys too. So this was the process that we wanted from the beginning, and it's well, correct. Oh, and and yeah. also the the story this week that the uh, Nuggets GM turned down the job. Oh, I didn't see came that. out as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he has a a name that I don't remember. It's a um, it is a European sounding name. What the hell is that guy's name? Hold on. Arturis His name Karnan is Silvas. Yes. Yeah. There is the rumor that he had turned down the job, and you now maybe it was just because he got an extension in Denver. Maybe he was using them for leverage, but you also wonder why he turned it down if he turned it down. So also, he's it's, it's Tim Connolly that generally is seen as the main guy over there. Okay, is so, he like the second guy? Yeah, I don't know, maybe it's a, has collab- the title? maybe it's a collaboration thing. <laughs> he's a he's a Tony DeLeo GM, sure. That sort of GM, GM, yeah. GM that is third in line and final say. All right. Well, here's here's a a uh, an idea I wanted to throw at you. That instead of just complaining about it, I have an idea. Let's say they just for argument's sake, they this staff is just they are just blown away by how great their staff is, including Brett and Eversley and Cohen and Rucker, and they're like, look, we we just can't imagine another GM coming in and. Uh, and and having a staff better than this, what if they went the Lakers route and hired like some agent who doesn't want to be an agent anymore, but was like an ag- a big agent that like that would need a staff that you know what I mean that maybe um, would benefit from having a strong basketball and analytics staff already in place that may not be great at that sort of thing but maybe the other things that um, that an, a, a former agent would be good at like what we have we've never we have not heard any of those names it's interesting to me that the Lakers would go and do that and then you wouldn't hear names of other guys anywhere that's Palenka, all. Palenka style. Palenka style. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Colangelo might as well have been an agent. He has the shiftiness of an agent uh, and the collars of one. If I'm, I, I'm on board with that. I haven't heard that suggested. I haven't heard any candidates. I don't know if there's that many. I, to me, I, I think there's probably a ton of people like Rob Palenka who are like, yeah, I have clients, but like, really, I don't care about them and want to throw them all away for a GM job. Like, I feel like there's a bunch of those guys uh, that think that they could be the ones making the decisions. I think if you want someone that's just like sort of connected and conniving and uh, shady and and all the ways that the Sixers organization kind of has been over the past few years, uh, then an agent GM 
sounds great. If, uh, I'll I'll ask my agents if they want to if they want to do it. Well, yeah, there's um, there are a couple out there. Like there's there's a couple out there working for teams that used to be agents, and it is um, there's one in Detroit that uh, there's a guy named Arn Tellum that works for the Pistons that right, right. actually. Yeah, that and hired Sachin Gupta and like there are guys out there and uh, and to your point about being an agent, I think it's a different kind of hustle and um, I, I the agent hustle. I to your point, I do think that it uh, that there would be agents that would look to get out of that hustle and try a different hustle. And then it's almost like the skills that you have as an agent when you're an agent everybody has those skills you know there it's varying degrees of being good at it but everybody's good at it so but when you if you're then running a team all of a sudden you have a skill set that very few of your contemporaries have right you're you might be the best at the relationship thing um as a gm love love a relationship guy yeah, whereas whereas an agent, you might not be the best. I don't know. I'm I'm curious as to why we have not heard more about that. That's what I would say. It seems like it would be uh, something that we would have heard about. I, I feel like just I want to bring up the former article about Brian Colangelo with him on the cover, and it says "Man of Action" above him. I just wanted to. <laughs> yeah. I haven't brought it up in a while, and I just need to say that. Yeah, Keith wrote that. That is a. a I don't Keith know if he Pompey wrote the special. title though. You know. Uh, yeah, well, he might not have, but he did. I don't. I think he. You're right. I don't know if he called him man of action, but in the article, he may have called him a man of action. So in that case, he then was, he, he is certainly right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you ever thought that Brian Colangelo wore a normal collar, his the cover of that would be um, evidence that he does not wear a normal collar, right? <laughs> Wouldn't you think? <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, let's talk about, before we get to what I have next. Um, wait, hold on. What I have next. Oh, uh, Ben and, uh, and LeBron and Bieber, too. Uh, before we get to that, let's talk about our sponsor, Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. You know, many lawyers, uh, many agents are lawyers. I wonder, how do you think Adam Cornblow, the official law lawyer of the process would be as Sixers GM and also as an agent. I don't know. I sort of think Jake Pavorsky would kick his ass in both departments. Oh, we're back to that. On the court and in the ring. Wow. The the fight between the two of them at Live Ricky is <laughs> is building up steam. On the, the dog fist bed. fight. Yep. <laughs> on the big Barker bed. I well I the, the absurd conversations I have with our sponsors during the week about the live Ricky are <laughs> the conversations I had this week with Adam Kornblau and Eric Shannon from Big Barker about um, like Kornblau's special giveaway item at the live pod, but then Eric asking me what size dog bed we want to put on stage for people to sit on. Um, <laughs> boy, it's just, it's a weird thing we have here. Adam Kornblau uh, isn't just a guy who would be a good Sixers GM and agent and may get beat up by Jake Pavorsky. He is um, at the premier boutique personal injury law firm in the Delaware Valley. Kornblau and Kornblau started by his parents. Uh, His father passed away. It is now him and his mom that run Kornblau and Kornblau. And they, the reason that going to a, uh, a law firm that is big enough 
but not too big, big enough to serve you properly, but not too big, is that when you go there, you are getting the people we're talking about. You're not getting referred somewhere else. So if you have a personal injury uh, situation and you think there might be a case, when you call Cornblow and Cornblow, when you email Cornblow and Cornblow, you get a Cornblow. All kinds of personal injury cases, everything you could imagine from medical malpractice, which is their uh, specialty, and they have some of the biggest results in the entire area over the last 35 years, or uh, injured at work, slip and fall, uh, car accidents, anything. Cornblow is the man, uh, understands the process, and understands making you feel confident through it. If you think you might have a case, Cornblow's rule is do not... Uh, be a hero no nope. don't lie so go to the hospital if you're hurt uh, you know you're not being tough and uh, and also call, call Cornblow give him a call shoot him an email cost you nothing 215-576-7200 ask for Adam email Cornblow at Cornblow and Cornblow.com Cornblow spelled with a K A-N-D is spelled out in the email and the rest is up to you Cornblow and Cornblow the official law firm of the process Adam's not going to be a hero when Jake whoops his ass at Ricky Live 3 in front of all those people. I don't know why I'm doing this bit. I have no idea. I, your, you, you've, your, your bits with the sponsors have become really uh, intriguing. Um, they've gone off the rails. But yeah, I, am, they, I am a promoter now for uh, a fight. fight, fights between podcast sponsors and their relatives. He, my, my, here's just, just so we can put your resume in. In, in one proper place right here. With Kornblau, it's that he would get beat up by L.L. Pavorsky's son. Mm-hmm. With L.L. Pavorsky, it is that he is lying about the number <laughs> of people he sold engagement rings to. Uh-huh. And then with DraftKings, it is that you are likely to win a million dollars if you play. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. One of a kind, That's buddy. I, I want to know what your... Now that LeBron has gone somewhere else. So Ben Simmons, there's some videos of him playing pickup with LeBron, uh, a picture of him at some uh, skate park in New York during Fashion Week with LeBron and Justin Bieber looking like a fucking total tra- like train wreck, by the way. Boy, Bieber I, does not look good. Yeah, I thought Bieber, I thought it was Sam Rockwell when I looked at that picture. With the- <laughs> <laughs> Sam Rockwell, who's like probably 30 years older than yeah. Bieber, right? I who, mean, who I like. And I think that's a good right. guy for Bieber to strive for, but maybe not yet. Yeah, I, Bieber just... Uh, and look, Bieber, live your best life, man. I, I don't care. I'm just saying you went from a cute kid to, boy, it's just... It looks like it's still off the rails. I thought you had it together. What Now that LeBron went somewhere else, what is your... Is there any reaction at all to seeing Ben with LeBron? Do you feel anything, like whether it is just a visceral, this is what I feel, or a thinky, um, I like it or, or I don't like it, or is it just nothing? Uh, I mean, I think I like it. I think it's cool that LeBron thinks that Simmons is the next guy and that they have the same, uh, they're repped at the same place and sort of play a similar style and all this stuff. That feels, that feels cool to me. Should I feel something else? 
No, I, I don't know. I There's like a lot of stuff. And most of it is invented. You know, like at first it was, well, this means that LeBron wants to play here, which obviously was not true. There is the, and you say they're represented by the same place, but the truth is, is that that's really LeBron's place. Like it's really sort of LeBron's agency that represents Simmons. So he does have a, not that he doesn't believe in him, LeBron's place, Clutch represents a bunch of places, You don't, and you don't see LeBron with... Uh, Nerlens at uh, Fashion Week, so clearly he thinks something of Ben. No, I just wonder. He look, look great. He would. He would. Uh, I wonder. Yeah, that wasn't an anti-fashion uh, <laughs> Nerlens's fashion thing. That was a you know yeah. he's obviously not hanging out with. As him. if we'd say I, something bad about Nerlens on this podcast. I just we, yeah nothing. I will believe until I'm, I'm, I will die before uh, before I stop believing in Nerlens. Uh, I guess the, if I think about it long enough, I get to the, like, LeBron is the, um, the trailblazer in set my own path, go to the place I want to go sort of thing. And I, I do sort of, and, and LeBron, like, LeBron got to where he is by going through the process. Like, he is the, oh, God, I hate even saying process. He is the oldest child right in the group and he went through it he he was the first guy to go to miami like to go somewhere and team up with other people and then the first guy to come back and he's pretty much the reason why these other players do what they do but he has caused a way where now that that is okay to do you you see and you think about players thinking two and three steps ahead in terms of where they're going to be and their career and who they want to play with and things like that. So now that they are more, they take more of a hold of their own destiny in that situation. Yeah. And I sometimes see them together and wonder if maybe LeBron doesn't think about that too much for a guy who isn't in position to think about that yet. And that is... You know, that is assuming the worst. But sometimes when I see it, I think, oh, I like I don't want Ben and Team Ben. And I'm sure Team Ben is already thinking about it, which means Ben is already thinking about it, thinking about like, you know, what do the next five years look like? Not with him as a player, but with him and his like chess pieces and where they move. And that sort of makes me nervous. Yeah, I think everybody does it, though. And I, mm-hmm. I hear sure. how you how you could see like them together and, and get worried about him leaving but i think everybody does i mean and the players that aren't worried about it like are kind of stupid like yeah blake griffin was told that he'd be a clipper for life traded demar Derozan traded like these all there's so many guys that this happens to there's no loyalty anywhere the best thing that the sixers can do if they want to keep ben simmons and Embiid is not be fuck-ups and keep winning and that was it it seems like you know mm-hmm yeah, yeah, I, I agree in that. Yes, I agree in that, that all players should be thinking about that. I just worry that, and again, this is invented, but you see all the L.A. stuff. And look, Ben Simmons can date whoever he wants. I don't care if he dates a Kardashian or not. Like, that doesn't bother me the same way it bothers people. But when you see him around all of that stuff, it makes you think that maybe he is thinking too many steps ahead. That he is like, I don't know. I there are so many improvements he needs to make to best his game, and it's not that like he can't do both at the same time. He surely can, but I just I wonder if he's playing 
thinking about chess before he's thinking about checkers. That's all. That old expression. Yep. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know. I, think, I, I, I think this is just yeah. the environment that people are coming up in, and I think it's yeah. uh, it's happening across the board. Some some it's more vis- visible, mm-hmm. uh, like seeing him with LeBron and other and dating who he's dating and that kind of thing. Um, and some it's more just like you know I'm sure Darren Fox would love to stay in Sacramento forever, but you know or not where he says that and yeah, he right. wants to go somewhere else. Like there's a million of those kinds of things. So yeah, not worried about uh, it. Just got to keep winning. Yep. Uh, let's move on. Speaking of LeBron around the league with Smith, just a couple of things I want to bring up. Have you heard the rap song recorded in 20 or whenever the, uh, it was whenever the lockout was, was that 2011? I think, uh, LeBron and Kevin Durant recorded a rap song together. So I did. I got. So I'm at, I'm in Long Island, uh, mm-hmm. where uh, you and everyone else will be joining me soon tonight for yep. the screening of my show Alive in Denver. Yep. Um, uh, ben Dietrich already there. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Unterberger there yeah. as well. Unterberger and Dietrich are actually in bed in this hotel room right now. Oh, uh, they're waiting, just all right. Enjoying the live. No, no, it's all platonic. Um, okay. And. Uh, <laughs> And so I got home last night after from the first event or whatever, and I was uh, pretty drunk. And as you told me to listen to this rap song, so, so I did. And, well, because uh, I felt like you needed an opinion on it without, you know, sometimes there are stories that I can talk about and you can, you know, one of us could talk about without actually mm-hmm. knowing it. You needed to hear the song, yeah, I felt so, like. So I did last night. I stumbled around listening to it. And it is uh, it's pretty bad. Like the, I think the the most identifiable things that like you don't want to be able to hear their actual voice. Yes, when they're rapping, right. like you can tell. Like I think maybe I just don't know Dana, Dana, Dana Barris's voice that well, but like you don't want to be able to identify Dana Barris's like answering reporters' questions voice when he's rapping, and you don't want to. Well, even like Lula Damian Lillard. Yeah, D- Damian Lillard. Like you, you can. He just sounds like a rapper. He doesn't sound like. Like what Damian Lillard sounds like. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So, yep. what, were you, what were your takes? Well, yeah. I mean, to your point, my thing was when I went to listen to it, I hope I can tell which who is who when I'm hearing it. And like, as soon, I assumed the first guy was Durant. But then as soon as I heard LeBron and I was like, oh, well, that's definitely LeBron. <laughs> Pretty identifiable. I, yeah. I mean, here here is the the overall thing here is that I was surprised that Kevin Durant was pretty good. I didn't really listen to the words that he was saying, but he sounded like pretty good, but a complete, wholly unsurprised at how bad LeBron was. I mean, LeBron, LeBron, for all of his greatness, you know, one of my longstanding takes is that he is definitely one of the most uncool, corniest guys in the NBA. And his I think inability... He's gotten, I think he's gotten a little bit better at that, actually, of late. I think. Well, he's gotten older. I think he's gotten a little more comfortable yes. in his skin and is tries it, a little less hard. You it, know? Is it like, is there like a, you know, the middle school version of, like, your awkward years? Is there, is your, like, early 30s that for basketball players? Where they're like, I'm not, <laughs> right. I'm like still young. I'm still young enough, but like, am I a vet yet do it like you're not accepting that and now like he's happy to be like old head and it's like yeah all right this is working out now yeah uh, yeah he, so but i was 
definitely it was not surprising to me that he um was not a good rapper i guess that's what i would say he's not good at all it's on soundcloud uh i will link it in the post for this if you can't find it most people but, are bad uh, rappers not surprising that anybody's yeah. bad no but surprising that in that um he recorded a rap song uh even like most people are bad rappers I've, but i've recorded rap songs in like oh that's right you and well, didn't you and Jordan uh, Jordan record a song about Lou Williams on I, Liberty Ballers? I don't think so. Was that me? Uh, I don't, I don't I, remember this. In, in Jordan the definitely did it before he, he left the the blog to work out. Oh, um, but I hope I did not do that. <laughs> I think you did. Will somebody, will somebody no, please find this? Disagree. On the don't do it. <laughs> I think you, I think <laughs> I you and Jordan... I think you and Jordan recorded a rap song about Lou Williams after Lou Williams' rap song came out. All right, that leads me to the final place. If you could be really good and successful at one of the two, would it be musician or athlete? Oh, athlete, come on. Really? Yeah, of course. I would pick musician, I think, in that um, it seems like, I don't know, there would be a... I like having the competition out of it. I like just being good at it and every like imagine if you're LeBron and instead of having to beat other teams, you just had to like come out on the court and like warm up. And like jam with them? Yeah. It just seems like it would be awesome. I I think I'd rather be a, a great musician than a great um a great athlete. So um hey, a quick congratulations to former Sixer player and coach Maurice Cheeks. Yeah getting inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. <laughs> you almost said Process Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, because we're about to talk Process Hall of Fame. It made me, when I saw the induction, it made me think, boy, what we're doing is dumb. Uh, and what, what he did is real. I disagree. But, I think we should have a wing at the Hall of Fame. Oh, could you imagine? Well, well I mean, if they win, a, If the they thing. win a title, we're getting a wing. Have you been to the, um, the Basketball Hall of Fame before? No, just Cooperstown. So Cooperstown is awesome and is massive. The Basketball Hall of Fame is fun enough, but you know how Coop, how like the Baseball Hall of Fame you could spend three days at mm-hmm. is the Basketball Hall of Fame is like a two and a half hour excursion, and then you're done. There's nothing more to do, and you can spend. They have like a a court at the end of it where you can shoot around at. That's the only way to get an extra hour out of the Basketball Hall of Fame experience. Is, it's and, fine, and isn't it like the Jerry Colangelo Hall of Fame court? Yeah, it was. And I have a picture of myself. By the way, a picture that my wife took of me shooting at that court years ago. Um, but I was shooting on the Jerry Colangelo court, which I wish I had never done. How's the shot um, Uh It looks pretty good in that picture. Okay. It looks pretty good. I have, a, I'm, I have a pretty, like, to Joel Embiid's point, my form is pretty, you know, Wait. standard. You know, uh, I think they could use another wing, I guess, is what I'm saying. Um, I wanted to talk about Underburgers. So the Process Hall of Fame inductions are coming at Live Ricky 3, September 22nd at the Electric Factory. General admission tickets still available at rightstrickysanchez.com. $29.99 in advance, $35 a day of. And the three inductions will be Embiid as person, the pick swap as um, the Sixers moment, and the hinky billboard as the um, Rights Ricky Sanchez moment. But Excuse me. On uh, in uh, if not pick, will convey us two second rounders. Andrew Underberger's section on rightstrickysanchez.com. By the way, 
<coughs> excuse me, Andrew Underberger brought to you by Kinetic Skateboard Shop at kineticskateboarding.com. Your source, locally owned, Wilmington, Delaware, process trusting, your source for, of course, every bit of skateboard gear you could need, but also sneakers, gear, limited edition Nikes, Vans, Converse, you're not going to find anywhere else. Um, 9.1% off your or, your first order with promo code Dave Silver at kineticskateboarding.com. Those shorts, so under- shorts were dope. Yes, the shorts were very dope. The shorts, so they did a, Ben at Kinetic did a, a Kinetic slash Ricky logo for 46 pair of champion shorts and donated 10 bucks per pair to Coded by Kids and Providence Animal Center. And um, they went in, uh, I think he said like 35 minutes, released them at midnight. So thank you, Ben. They were cool shorts. Uh, so Underberger is going to do a piece leading up to Live Ricky 3 on each inductee. And this week was Embiid. And... Um, you know, I am proud that we have Underberger uh, writing for the site because I think Underberger, as far as like our tone and processy and all, is the best guy we could have gotten. But his um, his piece about Embiid, I thought, was um, sort of made me emotional. I guess I, I I he makes a point later in the article, and I just wanted to read a couple of um, a couple of like sections from it. But this one, um, this one, I thought was was apt. He says, we've all wondered about the time when we'll start taking Joel Embiid for granted. Perhaps some of us, for some of us, it's already begun. How did he throw that ball the way at the end of regulation in game three? Is he ever really going to play 65 games in a season? Who really searches for white people shooting three-pointers on YouTube anyway? We say we'll never get there, but to some extent, we all probably will. No love story has a first kiss that lasts forever. No meal tastes so delicious that you don't eventually start wondering what the vendor next door is selling. Eventually, we find flaws. We neglect history. We fear for the future. We forget how lucky we truly are. And um, reading the piece about Embiid made me, took me back to the place where I remembered how lucky we are that we have him and how uniquely qualified he is to be. To to talk about the Process Hall of Fame for a second, seriously, to talk about like a single person representative who has been through it in the same way we have. It it is really amazing how uniquely qualified Embiid is. That's... Yeah, we've we've been there a little bit longer. I mean, he doesn't remember quite as much James Anderson as we do, but I think Mm -hmm. that he's experienced enough to be close yes and uh you know to that point our feet have never broken even though well probably we've thought about doing it in effigy yeah some walls almost broke my hands after being punched (laughs) no i yeah it's Embiid is Embiid's the guy i was i was i was trying to come at it from a different angle and hope that it would be more uh, more processy but you can't get more processy than Embiid. it's got to be it's got to be him so i'm uh you know i'm sure he's honored and uh, and we we're honored to give him the award. And the piece, the piece he, was great. Underberger's, uh, he was cooking. Yeah. Um, two other, if you don't mind, two other quick, sec- I, I think everyone should read it, but I know that everybody doesn't like reading. Um, so two other quick graphs from it. In the Requiem for the Big East, ESPN 30 for 30, Michael Wilbon argued that the importance of early 80s Syracuse grad Dwayne Pearl Washington was so significant to Big East basketball history that when the story of the conference was written, his name demanded to be included in the very first sentence. That, of course, is patently absurd. Sentences aren't that long, really. 
Joel Embiid's name doesn't have to be in the first sentence of the story of the process, but his name and Sam Hankey's name are the only names that absolutely have to be in the first chapter. Otherwise, you're just reading the wrong book. Um, I thought it was great. Well, my, and, my process uh, book is going to start from like the early 90s to give, yeah. us, to give us full context. So, fuck you. <laughs> right. Piece of shit. Um, and then, uh, final thing, final thing from Underworld. I suggest you read it. Please read it. Um, it's just at rightsrickysanchez.com. Of course, his first ballot induction into the Rights to Ricky Sanchez Process Hall of Fame is about a lot more than his greatness, particularly his on-court greatness. It's about him riding and dying with Sam Hinkie, the guy whose name will put on the building someday. It's about him tagging Milwaukee shithole and, treat, and him treating Hassan Whiteside and Andre Drummond like Twitter eggs. It's about him courting and then shunning Rihanna, or maybe it wasn't Rihanna, or LOL, how many articles have we written about this non-story already anyway? It's about him even knowing that retweet Armageddon was a thing that was happening in the universe, let alone deigning to actively participate. It's about him so obviously being one of us that he tattooed it on his own name and got Matt Cord to bellow it a couple of thousand decibels every night. It's about Joel Embiid being the process in always, always. It was like, I thought, like I'm getting like a little choked up reading it. I thought Underberger wrote this almost like musically. Like it was almost poetic. I thought what he wrote here. I think it's the best thing that he's written for the site. Oh, so, no, thank you. It. Yeah. Um, one more break to talk about the original spot. Oh, it's going to lead into another one of your bits. Unfortunately, trying to get choked up. The talking about I, I, how I, I, fake <laughs> these people are. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, LL Pavorsky Jewelers, the original sponsor of the Right Streaky Sanchez podcast, believed in us from the very beginning asked us to sponsor the podcast even when we were not allowing anyone to sponsor the podcast um boy he is just he is one of the best man uh one of the best we know he is the best jeweler not just in philadelphia but in all the world if you're thinking of making any sort of jewelry purchase at all most notably an engagement ring you would be a total fool to go anywhere else and hey if you need somebody beat up He's got a son that just turned 22 that can take care of him. As long as that person is small enough, uh, Jake can do it. Uh, seriously, we have, we have gotten a, even like in, in, a, in a opposition to Mike's joke, we've gotten just so many emails from people who have shopped with LL. Um, and are so happy about it uh, and feel like the idea of going anywhere else is, is as insane as we think it is. Um, he's got a special flat engagement ring box for Ricky customers only. That way you can slide it in your pocket when it's time for the big day. If you're going to buy an engagement ring from LL, please make an appointment before you go over there. Not because you have to. It's very welcoming, but, um, but because that way he can better help you out when you get there. Um, 707 Walnut in Philly. Give him a call, 215-627-2252. You can always email him at llpavorsky.com or just tweet him at llpavorsky. And for every podcast, LL makes generous donations to Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Reportedly in the mix for the Sixers GM job, running on a platform of season-long cabana trades. Ah, there it is. I like the, that cabana gets in there every time now. It has to. Um, hmm. I wanted to I, – I, I'm sh almost sure that you barely listen to Sharp's podcast, Open Floor. Am I correct in that? Uh, well, I used to listen to it more, and then I think there was a Covington take that I disagreed with, and I unsubscribed from the podcast. Okay. 
he had a take that was just he still um will throw in nuggets there to troll Sixers fans and I do have a respect for it Mm -hmm. because I do the same thing not to Sixers fans but to other fans so they were talking about MVP odds and they were going over like the long shots and and he spoke positively about Ben Simmons and then they were talking about Giannis and Sharp with a straight weaselly face uh, said that the reason that he believes that Giannis has a better chance at MVP this year than Ben Simmons is because Ersan Ilyasova is on the Bucks. <laughs> that's, that's it? That's the end of it? Yeah. Was the, re- was the, the rationale or did, did Gollum well, just... Was he that, too busy uh, moving Jay Crowder up his rankings to... to <laughs> <laughs> he... Uh, he well, you know, obviously the spacing, the force, the floor spacing that Ilyasova provides will be much more uh, important to the Bucks, and it will make uh, Giannis into a legitimate MVP candidate, where Ben Simmons is no longer a legitimate MVP candidate. So you got it. The difference between the two is Ersan Ilyasova. Well, the only floor uh, spacer in the league. Yeah, I do think it is amazing how long. That the trio, I don't know if Chris still does, but the trio of the original NBA After Dark trio of, no, was it, what was their first one? It wasn't After Dark. It was, um, what was the Juliet, Chris Ryan, Sharp podcast? I thought it was After Dark. Was it After Dark? I think so. Hmm. I think it was, whatever it was. They've been riding with the Bucks for like (laughs) six years now. Wasn't there an an article... Somewhere it's saying like who's the what's the best young core and it was like Sixers, Bucks or Wolves. Yes. I, and who turned out to be right on that one? It's it seems pretty clear to me. It does seem pretty clear. And it's it's definitely not the Bucks, let me tell you that. They're the first one out of that three. Uh, I put together some uh, s- quick Sixers over-unders. I, I know we'll do an over-under pod before the season starts, but the season, even though training camp is two weeks away, uh, by the way, training camp starts the same day as the live Ricky. Get your tickets right now at rightstrickysanchez.com. Wow. Um, I put together some over-unders for you that I wanted to throw at you. Throw. You think? You think? All right. So the first one is, wait, hold on. Let me go back to this. Let me go back to my page. This year, how many official general managers do the Sixers have this season? So this is starting now by the final game they play, over under 0.5 general managers. Well, I think they have, they're going to have four because (laughs) it's going to be a collaborative process with all of them. Right. Or you could take that to be half of a GM, which everyone adds up to be half a GM, in which case I would say exactly 0.5. Every, oh, everyone adds up to be half a GM, yeah. which would be what, 0.125 GMs yeah. everyone would be. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Okay. The next one is, um, how many games does, De- does Zaire Smith play this year? Over-under is 53.5. Hmm. I think he'll probably spend a little time in the G League. Um, well, and injury. Yes, I think he'll be back yeah. pretty quick. Um, but I, I'm gonna say he's he goes down. All right, so I think he misses the first like ten, fifteen games. I think they they start him in the G League to get warm, and he plays like five, ten more. 
So I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over 53 and a half because I think he's just I think he's just that good and that intuitive and and uh, disruptive on the court. How many games do you want Joel Embiid to play this year? Over under 73.5. Is that including playoffs or no? No. Under, definitely under. Okay. That's that's what I thought. That's why I, I try to add a little wrinkle to it. Not how many he will. I do, I do want them to be a little more. Um, it seems like they got a little reckless last year. That's all. In, yeah. In the second half. Of the year, I, but I can see like him him being like you know, I sat for two years and then the third year I played yeah. thirty three games. Uh, he did play sixty three last year in the regular season. So mm-hmm. I feel. I feel like that is a nice number. Yeah, my number is sixty-eight, but uh, that's what I would. Anything like. in the sixties, I'm I'm very happy with. How many three pointers does Ben Simmons shoot this year? Not counting full and half court heaves, over under fourteen point five. Mm. I'm gonna say over. Oh, now to me, this really means: is he gonna shoot any or not? Because. If he doesn't shoot 14 of them, I don't even think he'll shoot two of them. That's, I don't think he'll sh- there's a world in which he'll just shoot 10. Um, maybe. I, I, th- yeah. I think over. I, th- I think I, I would say in the, my prediction would be in the like 70s. Okay. Really? Yeah. I think he'll do wow. it. Wow. How many games does Markel Fultz start for the Sixers this year? Over, under, 10.5. Over. How many minutes will one Furkan Korkmaz average this year? I'm going to go with over under 12.5 per game. Hmm. Does it count? So here's the th- does it count when they when they don't play in a game? It doesn't affect their minutes. No. Um. No, it does not. Which is weird. So a yes. lot of if, even if there's some zeros in there, it would still be. Uh, I'll say over. Right. Okay, I'm gonna go under. I'm I'm a little. I'm still not buying it yet from him, but we'll I, see. I think there could be a few DNP CDs, but that doesn't count. Yeah, to that the doesn't number, hurt so him. I, yeah. How many trades did the Sixers make this year? Over under a one point five. Mm. GM Transformer will make uh, over one point five trades. Okay. Well, I I think they do just to prove that they don't need to hire anybody else. That's right. Like, you know, there's nothing better than having a bunch of people unsure of their futures um, and unsure of the exact goal uh, running the team at the same time. Can't think of anything better. No. All right. Two more. Press availabilities by any front office member aside from Brett Brown. Over under one point five. <laughs> I've definitely seen Eversley give interviews before. Is that is that mostly during like draft time and stuff? Well, and uh, like when they're at practice or something, you can go up to those guys when they're there or at camp. I'm sure they'll all be there. I mean, a specific either on the dais. Is Deus the right word at, yeah. for a press conference? Or like they say, hey, so-and-so will be available for press at this time. A specific thing where they tell press, you can ask questions to this person, not 
the press just goes up to that person, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say under 1.5. Okay. And finally, three-pointers per game taken by Mike Muscala. Last year, he had the high of his career at 3.2 per game. The number is 3.2, over under. I like that you saved the best for last. Uh, I will say, so Ilyasova, I did some research. Ilyasova took 3.6 per game as a sixer. Mm-hmm. I will say Muscala will play less Man. than that. I okay. will say under. Now, you say Ersan Ilyasova shot 3.6 three-pointers per game with the Sixers. My memory says he shot at least 11 or 12 per game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Doesn't he shot it playoffs. every time he touched it. Okay. Well, maybe that's it. Oh, is that is that last season? What is the first Ilyasova season? Do you have that in front of you? Yeah, one sec. Um, that, it has to be higher than I that. think it was. I think it was for sure. Uh, last first year, one was 5.6. There you go. Ersan did look... I like Ersan. I've I've been a I've been pro I was pro Ersan anti Bellinelli. Um, he he looked cooked to me last year. He didn't look right towards the end. He looked slow for sure. Yeah, I think he's got one more run. I can't believe Milwaukee gave him that much money. I can't yeah. believe that for they gave him three years. Right? They yeah. gave him three years. Twenty one yeah. was that what they gave him? Yeah. The years is more yeah. is more the problem, I guess. Um, but I like him. He he, he helped out here for sure. I, the people that man. The people that say that the Sixers are going to be worse this year because Bellinelli and Ersan aren't there, I, they certainly helped them out in the run in those in those final sixteen games, especially when Embiid got hurt. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they're the role players, like they're bench role players. That's replaceable. It's not. I mean, the fact that the idea that like Simmons and Embiid and a, and a uh, correct faults wouldn't. Uh, imp- improvements of all those guys wouldn't matter more than very replaceable uh, in some cases defense defense last role players would is baffling to me my favorite yeah there are a lot of ways that you can say that the Sixers won't win as many games this year mm-hmm. but pointing to those two guys is the funny way to do it yeah. um, by the way uh, Anthony Davis um uh, left his agent and now will be represented by Rich Paul of Clutch Sports. Really? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing regarding that is, uh, um, like, when anybody says, hey, the best way for this team to win is da-da-da and surround them with shooters. Mm-hmm. Like, like, duh. Like, having good people who can shoot on the court is a... A really good idea, but uh, the ability for them to do enough other things to have a good basketball team is uh, is necessary. So surround them with shooters is not always the answer to everything. Yeah, so. it, to me, to me, it's weird that I, I hear that. I totally hear what you're saying, but it also is frustrating sometimes when you see t- teams make moves and and don't do that, like exp- explicitly don't do that. Like there's frustrating things just in a cross sport comparison, like the Falcons, like. They haven't had a good tight end in 10, 15 years, Algie Crumpler. Like, why? Why have they not had a, a tight end that can catch a pass in forever? It feels like it's pretty easy to just go get one of those guys. And I, I think a lot of organizations just don't value stuff, whether it's shooting, whether it's, you know, you look at the Lakers and they're, they brought on Rondo and Lance and JaVale. It's like, it's a very odd 
across the board thing. So I, I while I hear that it's not that simple, it also kind of is. And they don't do it. Well, yeah. It is yeah. Hmm. I think you have to have the the biggest question is is the the person that you're surrounding with shooters is that person good enough to bring up the because it somebody like Russell Westbrook you could say just surround him with shooters, right? But I don't know that that works. Like I don't know that he is good enough at getting other people involved and keep like running a team to make make that work. Like that's the difference between him and Harden right really is that i think uh, harden is better at doing that than westbrook is so i don't think it's quite as uh, you know the original surround him with shooters was was dwight which is hilarious yeah and kind of it worked iverson even a little bit yeah yeah and they did it was, <laughs> it was aaron mckee and george lynch and tyrone t-time hill all those shooters all those shooters nothing but Oh, quick last thing, uh, Maurice Cheeks. Do you have any? You're much younger than me, obviously. Do you have any memory of Maurice Cheeks as a player, or or no? De- is it definitely just not. As coach, as okay. In my like waking life, but definitely in highlights for sure. Okay, um, definitely a uh, an old school sort of point guard. But um, I did see him, and uh, you know, I remember him. I had a. Uh, Maurice Cheeks uh, poster and he was like probably I think the only the only player who uh, who wore what they called a less or a lessee or whatever it was and it was a, a poster of Maurice Cheeks laying on his side like with his hand on the side of his head and his elbow on the ground like it was like a centerfold or something um, like the Hollis in picture a, in my Yes, yes, Probably. just like that, just like that. That was my Maurice Cheeks poster. Anyway, um, we will have we have special guests this week on the Ricky, right? Do we want to announce or no? No. Okay. Coming up this week, a special guest on the Ricky, and we will talk to you then. Get your tickets for uh, Rights Ricky Sanchez Live 3 at electricfactory.com. All the, or no, at RightsRickySanchez.com. All the info is at our website. Um, and uh, we will see you all at Mike's TV show tonight in Long Island. Yeah, come, come, and don't hide everyone yeah. all at once. Come up, come up, say hi. It's going to be fun. All right, uh, I'll talk to you this week. Good luck tonight. Thank you. Are you down with TTP? Yes. You know. Lick. Face. We are the murderers there. Dead with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Pumping the clouds on the missile.